this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode bilateral meetings hog the limelight at the shanghai cooperation organization summit the ones that happened and even the ones that didn't the presence of russian president vladimir putin and his bilateral meetings with chinese president xi jinping and prime minister narendra modi were watched closely especially the bits where mr putin said that he understood chinese and indian concerns about the war in ukraine from india's standpoint a non meeting with the chinese president indicated that the recent pullback in the disputed border areas between the two countries were not enough to warrant a bilateral engagement at the highest level with pakistan no meeting was expected with prime minister shahbaz sharif and none happened to discuss these issues i am joined by suhasni haider diplomatic affairs editor of the hindu who was in samarkand to report on the sco summit and related meetings welcome to the in focus podcast suhasni thank you so much for having me on amit so suhasni uh, tell us you know there was a lot of anticipation that perhaps there would be a meeting uh, with uh, the chinese president uh, xi jinping on the sidelines of the sco meeting so what really happened you know why didn't it transpire well i think the speculation was based on the fact that we have seen in the last few months a kind of easing of tensions if you like or a space for conversations between india and china despite the standoff at the lac that started with pla transgressions in 2020 uh, because we saw external affairs minister jay shankar go to the uh, g20 he was at the g20 ministerial he held a meeting with his counterpart wang yi uh, we have seen in other uh, respects at the lac there was this disengagement that you referred to at uh, what is called pp15 as well and uh, there was a sense that this was building up to perhaps some kind of a conversation between prime minister modi and president xi jinping remember this is the first time the two men actually shared a room shared a space uh, a stage and uh, came face to face at one point they actually stood right next to each other in a photo op for the extended group of the sco in samarkand but we didn't see them actually exchange glances at all they they more or less uh, looked away from each other during that time we understand the 15 leaders were invited to a completely closed door luncheon after that lasted about 2 hours but there is no way of knowing if there was any ple- pleasantries exchanged certainly officials on both sides have made it clear there was no kind of engagement between the two leaders now that speculation also looks to the future amit because in the next couple of months there is going to be the g20 summit in bali uh, mr shi has made it clear he will attend that he will come to it after the chinese congress uh, perhaps with a little more security with a little more confidence about uh, the processes inside china and there is again an opportunity there and i think there will be much more speculation there that the two leaders will find uh sometime to have a conversation so long as things at the boundary look better between the two countries uh finally i would say look to the next sco because india has now assumed the chairmanship of uh, the chairpersonship of the sco and that means that between now and perhaps next july when the sco summit is expected in india there are going to be a number of sco meetings leading up to it the finance uh, the foreign ministers meet the defense ministers meet uh, there are other kinds of groupings within the sco which will meet and for those india is going to need the participation of china 
uh, of course, al- also of Pakistan at various levels for these meetings that India will chair in India. Uh, so I think what you're seeing is the, the stage is set for perhaps some kind of engagement between the two leaders. The timing, of course, is com- entirely up to them. But yes, there was some sense that they would uh, uh, have that meeting at the SEO in Samarkand. They haven't had it there, but now all eyes on what happens in Bali. Uh, you know, Swati, you make that important point that India now takes over as the, the chair of the SCO. So, you know, this um, uh, this ability to craft uh, images or, you know, go late for a dinner or not be present for a tree planting ceremony, uh, that, that facility will not be available to Mr. Modi next time. So he will really have to engage with all these leaders. And as far as I know, you know, every SCO summit so far has seen uh, pretty much full attendance. So it's going to be sort of uh, squeeze out of that one. Absolutely, which is why the space, you know, kicking this can down the road is not going to actually make it easier for India in this particular situation. And the one thing I didn't mention was that there's also a G20 summit in India next year, for which, again, you need the attendance of China and other big economies in the world. The truth is, Prime Minister Modi's, and I'm glad you brought that up because there was a, a lot of talk about the fact that Prime Minister Modi was the last to arrive at this particular SEO summit, most of the other leaders arrived on Thursday morning or even the day before. He arrived on Thursday night, too late to attend an informal dinner, a pre-summit dinner with all the other leaders, uh, and as well as the tree planting ceremony. Now, President Xi Jinping attended a, a separate tree planting ceremony during the day, but then he didn't attend this dinner as well. Obviously, ostensibly, the reason given is COVID, but then it just seems as if once, once Mr. Modi had decided he wouldn't go to this pre-summit dinner, uh, Mr. Xi Jinping also decided it wasn't mandatory to attend. Uh, another thing that makes it very interesting, Amit, is that this SEO meeting itself is a heads of state meeting. It's called the Council of Heads of State. In that sense, each of the other countries, apart from India and Pakistan, actually send uh, their presidents to this particular grouping. But India and Pakistan that joined in 2017 have over time developed the idea that it is the prime ministers of the two countries. Uh, Mr. Imran Khan started it on the Pakistani side and Prime Minister Modi on the Indian side, that it's the prime minister of the two countries that are part of the heads of uh, state council. So there's a little play over there where in the past we have seen India send either the president, the vice president, uh, and other nominees of the prime minister. But apart from that, as you pointed out, there is very little leeway to be able to uh, to get out of any of the meetings that are coming up in the future. Uh, and I think there was an understanding because eventually Central Asian countries feel that the SEO process has for too long been seen as a kind of Russia-China led process. It is the Central Asian countries that are now trying to take uh, up a lot of the leadership of the initiatives within the Shanghai Cooperation Organization process. And they have been wanting India uh, to do that, which is why in the last year, what we have seen a real strengthening of is India-Central Asia ties. On 26 January, there was the meeting between Prime Minister Modi and the Central Asian leadership. Before that, a number of events with the national security advisors, the ministerial as well. Uh, we also saw India participate quite fully in the Central Asia-South Asia connectivity conference held by the, the uh, Uzbek President Shavkat Mirziyoyev last year. Uh, so uh, the Central Asian countries particularly feel that they don't want to allow these a, these bilateral disputes between two countries, but also the kind of uh, uh, idea that there is uh, any country really leads the way 
in this grouping. They want to see this grouping as a much more democratic grouping. And having India take over this year puts India in the position of ensuring that there is an equitable uh, real participation by all the leaders uh, over here. As you pointed out, I mean, it is a tough task. It is a tall task in the next few months, but India has chosen very much. Uh, the Modi government has chosen to take on itself this uh, position of prominence in 2023. So, Asni, tell us, uh, you know, uh, you, you reported for the Hindu about uh, the bilateral meetings uh, between um, Prime Minister Modi and Mr. Putin and the Chinese president and Mr. Putin. I mean, we've seen the, you know, the public remarks that were made uh, by all these leaders. While you were there in Samarkand, what did you feel about the body language? I mean, was there a sense of confidence amongst the leaders or, you know, was there something on Mr. Putin's part that showed that he was on the defensive, especially in relation to Ukraine? Well, from the beginning, it was clear that the SEO summit was going to be overshadowed really by what has happened in Ukraine. To begin with, it's the first such big conference that President Putin was attending. Uh, since he has been for a small Central Asian conference, he has been to uh, Tehran to meet uh, with the Iranian and Turkish presidents. But this was the first full-fledged conference that he attended. And look at the leaders that attended with him. There are 15 leaders in all, Central Asian leaders. All five Central Asian states were there. Turkey was there, Mongolia was there, Armenia and Azerbaijan was there. Uh, then there was the new member of uh, uh, the SEO, Iran, which is being inducted this year, will join as a full-fledged member in India, in the Indian summit. Uh, and then the SEO, other members, so Russia, China, I India and Pakistan. Uh, clearly for Mr. Putin, this gave the impression that there is a sense of, uh, if not solidarity, none of these countries are interested in showing a boycott to him. Uh, I think it was important, as you pointed out, there was this kind of personal uh, uh, bonding on the first day where Mr. Uh, Modi and Mr. Xi did not take part, but all the other leaders were there and you saw them in their identical blazers and white shirts attending this dinner where Mr. Putin was definitely the big uh, leader in the room. Uh, he then went into these bilaterals, first with President Xi Jinping and then with Prime Minister Modi. What was interesting is uh, while the Western press was obviously really focused on these meetings and they've come away with the idea that Mr. Putin perhaps was admonished by uh, Mr. Modi, that he made a lot of explanations to Mr. Xi and that Mr. Xi was uncomfortable with him as well. The fact remains that it was Mr. Putin who in both uh, meetings came out and said, I understand your concerns. Uh, he then went on to say, we would like to end this war as soon as possible and then to blame actually uh, Ukraine's leadership for not wanting to come to the table for talks. There was a certain element of uh, pre-planning to all of this. Uh, I, I, you know, Amit, you've covered so many of these summits. I think it's very rare even to see that the opening remarks between leaders like Mr. Putin particularly and others are uh, made open and live completely to the media. We've seen 10 minutes of his meeting with Prime Minister Modi was actually on the record with television cameras whirring. Uh, there seems to be an element of uh, at least some idea that this uh, gesture needed to be made. Uh, and Mr. Putin certainly made it. Uh, now the question is, will he walk that talk? And will he go ahead and stop this incessant bombing of Ukraine, the daily uh, deaths that we hear about, the fact that more than 7 million people have been made homeless? That is what remains to be seen. Remember, this week again, we have another 
uh, big event, which is the United Nations General Assembly's uh, session, which is starting. And uh, the Ukraine issue is going to overshadow that as well. So this may have been Mr. Putin's way of making a small uh, appearance at the Central Asian Conference, surrounded by leaders who basically he has very good relations with, including now with Pakistan. And then to set the stage really for what is going to follow at the UNGA, there's going to be a lot of criticism from the West, but at least he does have that sense that he has come from this conference where he was not, if, if anything, openly boycotted or openly repudiated. So I think one thing that I want to pick up, uh, you know, with you is this issue of terrorism and, you know, the declaration in the SEO summit that some kind of entity list will be maintained uh, by this grouping. But, you know, simultaneously, you reported on that as well. We see that China has placed a technical hold in the 1267 UN Sanctions Committee on Sajid Mir, you know, who's, uh, you know, quite an important player in the mastermind and mastermind uh, of the 2611 attacks in Mumbai. So how do you sort of juxtapose these two? How do you see these two developments at the same time? Because China, after all, is one of the big drivers of the SEO. Absolutely. And I think this is where organizations like the SEO have to grapple with the contradictions within them. Uh, Because it's one thing to say that you can sign an agreement, for example, on cooperation and good neighborliness, but on the other hand, be attacking and uh, transgressing uh, India's sovereign territory in the way that we have seen China do. Similarly, on terrorism, there is a huge what India has called double speak and a kind of double standards for China. Uh, because the leaders that we are looking at, and of, of course, periodically we hear from uh, how India has tried to uh, list certain terrorist terror entities at the UNSC's consolidated list, what you call the 1267 list, which China has placed a hold on. This has happened over the last 20 years, ever since that list really began. Uh, it took China many, many tries from India uh, before some of these big leaders were eventually put on that list, like Hafiz Saeed and then uh, Masood Azhar, who took nearly 20 years, really. Um, There are three types of contradictions in China's stand here. The first, as you pointed out, is the commitment that they make at these multilateral spheres. So at the SEO, uh, Xi Jinping talking about the three real evils of of separatism, radicalism, and terrorism. Uh, Mr. Xi talking about how the need for consolidated sort of support for uh, counter-terrorism. China taking part along with India and Pakistan in counter-terror exercises as part of the SCO, what is called the regional anti-terrorist mechanism. Uh, The second big uh, uh, contradiction really comes in China's, you know, bilateral ties with India, because in bilateral ties with India, China has always promised uh, for zero tolerance on terrorism. And yet it is Uh, the Pakistan-based terror groups, terror entities and terror individuals that India wants uh, put on that list that China is always placing a hold on or placing a block on. Uh, And the third real contradiction is look at the leaders we're talking about. In the last three or four months since June, China has blocked three different uh, terrorist proposals that have come from a joint India-US proposal. Uh, The first was a senior uh, leader of uh, the lashkar e brother-in-law of Hafiz Saeed, Abdul Rahman Makki. The second was Rauf Asghar. He is the brother of uh, Masood Azhar, another jaish e top leader. Sajid Mir, one of the main handlers of the 2611 Mumbai attacks. He, in fact, trained uh, um, the terrorists. He radicalized them. He's responsible for sending David Headley into India. He's also responsible separately for attacks in the U.S., uh, what was being planned, what was called paintball jihad in the U.S., 
uh, another attack on the Dagensnierter newspaper in Denmark. So all of these attacks, including a few in France, he has been wanted for all of these terrorist uh, conspiracies. He's a member of a banned group uh, of the Lashkar-e-Toiba. And yet, 22 years later, 22 years after these lists really came into being, or more than 22 years later, China still will not allow them to be placed on that list. Uh, so that shows a real contradiction between you know, what they're saying at the UN, what they're saying in multilateral organizations, what they're saying bilaterally to India, and then what they are doing in each of these cases. So, Asni, before I let you go, uh, I just wanted to ask you one question. You know, you've been covering uh, uh, very closely the Quad meetings, India's involvement with the Quad. In a sense, the term Asia-Pacific has now become the term Indo-Pacific. You know, a, a lot of developments happening here. And, you know, India really having uh, one big foot perhaps uh, in the Quad. And uh, one, uh, you know, major limb also uh, in the SEO. You know, going forward, how do you think? Because there are going to there are obvious contradictions in, especially over Ukraine. You know, between uh, these two groupings or you know these two approaches to world politics. So, how do you think India is going to be able to manage these contradictions? Well, I think Amit, the the truth is what you have pointed out is absolutely true. That India has been able to straddle these two sets of organizations because it's now not just the SEO uh, versus the Quad. There's the SCO, there's the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Uh, there are uh, There's the Russia, India, China trilateral as well, where the foreign ministers have so far been meeting. But they haven't met for a while, isn't it, Swasni? The foreign ministers have actually met since the Galwan uh, attacks, um, but not at the summit level. We have not seen a summit level meeting. And uh, the, uh, the RIC foreign ministers and all, they have been meeting? Yes, the RIC foreign ministers actually met uh, just after Galwan, in fact, in Moscow. External Affairs Minister Jai Shankar had gone there, Minister Lavrov and Wang Yi had come together. Um, but even so, you've got these three sort of organizations on one side, you have on the other side the Quad, you now have the Indo-Pacific Economic Forum uh, of uh, 15 countries in this region that don't include China. Uh, and then you have what's called the I2U2, the other Quad, Israel, India, US, UAE as well. Clearly, there are contradictions between these two. There's also a maritime versus continental contradiction. So, for example, in the Quad, India is taking part in Malabar exercises with the Quad countries, doing naval exercises, keeping the Indo-Pacific free and open, uh, open port, the, what's called the free and open Indo-Pacific. And those are maritime exercises. And yet here in the SCO, we're seeing these counter-terror exercises. India is going to host uh, not just tabletop, but actual counter-terrorism exercises later this year. In Manesar, where uh, there will be representatives from China, from Pakistan, and all the other SEO countries. Uh, so somewhere there, uh, there is a kind of contradiction, and yet India has been able to balance it with a kind of traditional, what is called a neutral posture or a non-aligned posture. But I want to make the point here, Amit, that this is uh, the SEO membership is something new. India has been an observer of the SEO since 2006, but it took membership of the SEO only in 2017. Uh, so this is a fairly recent decision of the Indian government, clearly uh, in the same year that the Quad was revived. So this is not just by coincidence that India is, or, or because of some traditional legacy, that India is a member of these two uh, very, very disparate groupings, but a Modi government initiative, in fact, 
to do what is called multi-alignment. I've called it all alignment because it seems as if we're trying to please everyone at the same time. But it is very much a part of this government's uh, policy. Mr. Jai Shankar, the external affairs minister, has written this in his book, The India Way, where he talks about hedging being the way of the future in a sense. Now, whether at some point India is going to be asked to choose, we will have to wait and see. Because, for example, it was asked to, to choose on Iran, on the oil uh, uh, imports, and India did agree to the Trump administration's threats and agreed to cut its oil imports from Iran. On the other hand, with Russia, India has not agreed to do that. Uh, when it comes to the S-400 purchase of the defense deal with Russia, again, India has gone ahead with that deal despite the threat of U.S. sanctions. And now it seems U.S. sanctions don't seem as imposing or threatening. Um, so it's, it remains to be seen whether India will be asked to choose between these two different groupings. But until it is, it's actually in quite a sweet spot. We leave it here for today, Swasni. Thank you so much for talking to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you. Thank you as always for being here, Amit. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.